you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The Around the NFL podcast has ball control issues. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. You go a lot of different directions with that money intro. Yes, you could. Or none. Give me a chuckle. This is our Tuesday show, but this is a little different, this show, this week, because, uh, you know, some people, if you're like a casual football fan, a lot of people plug in right now, starting with these Thanksgiving games uh, whereby, well, this is maybe the pre-fantasy world, so this might not even be relevant. <laughs> but just in general, the football season really turns toward its climax in, uh, in the regular season sense now, starting with these Thanksgiving games. So we're going to get to all three of them, um, all NFC games. How about that? Decent slate this year. There's been some better, some worse. Yeah. there's Like the middle game. Plenty of storylines to get to, so we're going to break down all three of those games a little later in the show. Uh, we are going to go through the news. There's some uh, big, juicy news going on around, unfortunately, Mark Sessler's favorite team, the beleaguered Mark Sessler, dealing with more quarterback woes, which we'll get to when we talk about the news. And we also will get into the Monday night game played uh, up in Foxborough. Um, by the way, when, Greg, when, I don't know, eh, you were in New York for a long time, and then you moved to L.A., so I don't know if you're that familiar with that region of the country. I grew up in western Massachusetts. Well, the more recent <laughs> incarnation of it where um, Mike Tirico said on the telecast that that Robert Kraft had turned Gillette Stadium and the, the mall surrounding the stadium <laughs> to a real destination for people between Providence and Boston. Patriot Place. Patriot Place. Is that true? I think it's true ten times a year when the Patriots are playing a home game. Okay. That's fair. That's about it. Um, so, yes, and uh, at the end of the show, hopefully we'll have time. I'll get into the um, some more iTunes reviews, which everyone likes. Don't they have, they have like, like Ty Law's Bar or something there? I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what. Well, there's that. On. I don't think it's a huge destination. You can do the law people crawl. Are, people are generally avoiding Foxborough. Why possible. would you go there, like, on April 4th? What's, like, on the way, theoretically, to the water if you were come, you know, from if, depending what direction you're coming from, so you could be passing by, and maybe you'd stop. There is in that region also a, a music amphitheater. I remember seeing REM and Pete Yorn play to, in 2003. Mm. Pete Yorn, "Life on a String," good song. Chain, but that is a great song. <laughs> that one, yeah. Uh, but I had s a stomach issues the entire show and spent most of it in a stall. Like one of the two times I've been to a concert great with Dan, story. stomach issues. Also, so this is oh, a theme with that you. Oh, bad, too. Why do you go see music vehicles when you're not feeling well? I just love music so much. That This will all be part of our Stomach, stomach Discomfort podcast. <laughs> <laughs> really, that should that should be a banger. 
um, that we'll talk about in the offseason. So that's all coming up today. Pretty good show. Let's get into it. And let's start with Monday Night Football. It's not the same as the primetime music. Shadowy League figured made primetime music go away. I kind of like this song, though. Yeah, I like it. All right, fine. Whatever. The Patriots remain perfect. Guess what? They, actually, that's the music we should be using. Can we get... Let's go with some Throne of Sleaze or Ease. Let's do this right. <laughs> the Patriots remain perfect, but far from perfection. A 2013 win over the Bills at Gillette Stadium. They showed their vulnerable side for a second straight week, but managed to edge their opponent in the final minutes. Tom Brady threw one touchdown uh, and an interception for the third straight week, but Tyrod Taylor was injured and ineffective for much of the game. And the Patriots made the plays they had to in a game that was marred by horrific officiating. Mark Cecil, we'll start with you. The Patriots are, yes, 10-0, but you know some cracks in the veneer potentially as the injuries mount, and there are some reasons to doubt them just cruising through the rest of the regular season. I don't doubt them. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you why. Because, yes, I think it's a f- very fair point to say that the offense looks markedly different without Deion Lewis and without Julian Edelman in the lineup. But the history tells us that they're going to spend this week figuring out game by game how to attack, destroy opponents, get into the playoffs, and get to the Super Bowl. And Edelman will be back at some point, too. It's like they're not good. This ship is not sinking on any level. And that game last night was about – and Connor Orr did a great write-up on the on the on what we learned. Good point by him that it's about as close as Rex Ryan might get to beating the Patriots in the best situation for him in a long time. Well, that's – You're not going to face a Patriots team in the, in this situation again. That's Well, I don't buy that. That's selling Rex short because with a bad Jets team last year, they lost by a combined total of three points in two games. He always – usually, I should say, plays the Patriots tough, and he knows how to scheme up against Tom Brady. I don't buy that because, first of all, this is one of, if not the best Patriots teams of the Belichick era. It's a very, with, very not, good team. Not with the current players on the field. It's not that offense. team right now. But the the Bills, to me, they – They've lost Kyle Williams for the year. At the end of that game, they don't have Mario Williams or Marcel Darius. Tyrod Taylor's walking around there with a shoulder. They had a lot of calls go against them. A lot of calls were made poorly for both sides. I guess what I mean is, to me, that looked like two fairly even teams where the smarter team that knows how to win games did find a way to do it. And that that's what happens a lot with these Rex Ryan Patriots. But I don't think it's some great scenario where next year, so, oh, there's no chance. This Bills team has a lot of young talent, and this is Tom Brady getting older and older. So the Patriots, with a shuffling offensive line and Chris Harper as their number two wide receiver, are equivalent to the Bills? No. I think you watched that, those two teams last night – Total yards are about the same. No, it was very fluky. The Patriots were ahead after the first half. I think they were. If the Patriots from the first seven or eight weeks are gone, that team is gone. It's kind of like 2007 around week 13. They had a tough primetime game against Baltimore. The rest of the year, they were a very good team, but they weren't an historic team. And I think that's what this team is. They're going to figure it out as they go. But even in their lesser years, what they do is they change week to week, and they adjust better than any team. And that's something that Buffalo can't do and the Jets can't do or the rest of the AFC can't do to that extent. Buffalo should have picked off New England in this game. They, but that's the point. They can't pull it right. off. Tyrod, but I'm not saying that's nothing that New England necessarily did in points. It was an issue of Buffalo not able to take care of, uh, take, um, you know, advantage of opportunities. Tyrod Taylor missed uh, several big throws in this game. They had turnovers. Uh, they just, you know, this was a Bills team that, you know, pe- penalties killing them. The same old week stuff with the Bills. Week. The Bills are not going to be the team that is going to knock off the Patriots, but a better disciplined team. Uh, that takes advantage and maybe has a better quarterback. I think I think the Patriots are going to lose games before the, a, the regular season. There are a lot of teams who could knock off the Patriots right now, but they're fortunate enough. They were so good so early that they have a five-game lead. They can wrap up the division in Week Twelve. So <laughs> they have they have a month to experiment, which they usually do in September. They can use December to experiment. Then Edelman comes back for the playoffs. Who knows how long Amendola is out? But you have to have Amendola and Edelman if you're going to compete. Maybe that's one thing we overlooked a little bit because Amendola, when Edelman went down, they said, oh, now it's Amendola's turn to slide in and take on that role, and we know he has the ability. But that guy's always hurt. 
And we saw it right away. It gets targeted, what, 12 times in this game. And By the way, Edelman's hurt a lot too. Well, fair. But my point is, if if, uh, Amendola can't stay healthy and Edelman's out till the playoffs, then you really do start to get into a bad situation. And look what happened with Gronk. One catch for 10 yards because Rex, I think, put out a little blueprint. If you can match what Rex did now, he has better personnel and scheming abilities uh, than a lot of coaches and teams. But, you know, there is a blueprint out there to slow down this offense. Well, the difference was – they could double-team Gronk, and they weren't worried about the other guys beating him, and they confused Tom Brady. You wrote a post today, Dan, how frustrated Brady was throughout the game. He did not know where the blitzes were coming. He was faked out by blitzes that didn't come. He was looking a little bit like 2012, 2013, when he'd get a you – know, I'm not going to say – where the pass rush was clearly bothering him, even sometimes when it wasn't quite getting here getting there they were in Brady's head now I disagree that the Patriots didn't necessarily do anything because when it came down to it they're so what they are good at is situational football and the way they finished that first half not many teams are going to do that and the way that they scored the other touchdown uh, where they do the hurry up and they, you know they make the big play down the field they suddenly call a hurry up and the and the Bills have no and Brady to respond. beat the blitz on that play before the hurry up. exactly I mean he beat the blitz who hits him you know hits them, not many quarterbacks are going to make that play, and then they rush up to the line, they get a touchdown. Those are their two touchdowns, and that was not many teams are going to pull that, that off. score before the half and then getting it right back to start the third quarter is their trademark. And, I mean, let's not bury the lead with what happened with the Amendola pass that the whistle was blown inadvertently early. Had that been, had that been com- completed, and he probably goes for a touchdown there, I know some Bills fans say, no, he wouldn't have. Well, but, I mean, he, he's going to go. He's going to take a Gilmore stopped house. running in coverage. He could have tackled him right at yeah. the catch point if he if the whistle hadn't blown. All right, but let's just say, for instance, that drive doesn't stall. What four plays later? Then this game is a completely different game too. And I get the point that the New England Patriots aren't as strong as they were four or five weeks ago. But uh, listen, they're about to win their seventh straight AFC East title, and I'm not going to sit around diagramming scenarios where they're not as good of a team as we thought. They're going to go fourteen and two. They're going to roll into the playoffs. Well, no one's disagreeing with shreds. you on that. Yeah, they're going to win I mean, fourteen just, to sixteen games. But there is something to be said that they've looked mortal of late. Well, Marcus Cannon's terrible. Were. Marcus, they occasionally. I'm trying to think of another player that 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 they have given more chances to that that has played worse than Marcus Chad Jackson. Cannon. I mean, they they have a Marcus Cannon problem. They just got to give up on. Him. I don't agree that they're definitely going. For, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they have a three game losing streak. Mm. Wow. They're not the same team. Hey, and you know what? Defensively, though, they're really good. Defensively, they're really good, but they're we don't know how long Amendola's out. We don't know how long Dobson's out. You can have Chris Harper and Matthew Slater as your second and third receivers. I think, rather have A.C. Slater. I think there's some optimism Amendola's wasn't serious, and we'll, we'll see about Dobson, whether he was that big a factor. Anyways, Jamie Collins, they hope to get back. This is the best defense they've had in more than 10 years. So I think that's a big factor. It, it is. It helps them next week, for instance. They're not going to score many points in Denver, but they have a defense that's probably going to keep it a nice low-scoring game, and they're just going to play different sort of games. And Sammy Watkins was the latest to go on Butler Island. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> Malcolm X marks the spot. Got a text from a Patriots fan who is a local bartender in Marina Del Rey asking me if Malcolm Butler is now a lockdown corner. He's a great one. He was against If Odell I had Beckham. to get a Patriots jersey, it it's helps no to, doubt a Malcolm Butler The way they Butler scheme jersey. in that defense. One, one thing that would help the Patriots get to 16-0 and in another Super Bowl would be if they had a better head coach, of course, because, well, this is if you ask Ray Lewis, who uh, <laughs> had this to say uh, when comparing Rex Ryan to Bill Belichick in his latest uh, genius rant on Monday Night Football. It speaks volumes about the Ryan's pedigree on what his family stands for, right? And when you see that culture, I, I, I'm not playing. For, I'm not choosing nobody else but Rex Ryan. If, if you're asking me, Bill Belichick said to Rex Ryan, I'm, I'm taking Rex Ryan all day. That guy makes like three million dollars a year. As, with a pedigree, have you ever heard of Steve Belichick? You want to talk about culture? What was the culture towards the end with Rex Ryan and the Jets? It was an absolute disaster. That wasn't his fault. Well, not to mention well, he's it's not, not his fault. I mean, he's the head coach. He's no, talking he about the pedigree. You, you know the only reason why the Ryan family has any Super Bowl rings is because Rob was an assistant to Bill Belichick. Yeah, well, don't forget only, Buddy's ring. ring with the 85 Bears. Okay, that's fair. And let, don't forget, you know, I was talk, talking about the Suns. Talk well, pe- pedigree. Rob Ryan doesn't even have a job anymore. Wouldn't you agree that Rex and Bill Belichick are from 1990 through now – pretty much recognizes the two best defensive schemers in the NFL. 
It's fair. Dick LeBeau. But I think Ray hey. Window's letting us in a window into his soul. He would prefer to be hyped up and fly around the field on a great defense with no offense than to have six rings like Belichick. And I'm I'm tired of Rex Ryan clearly being happier in a game that they lose, but the defense plays well. It's so obvious watching afterwards how proud he was that the defense played much, much better than week two. And I was like, you lost the game by the exact same amount of points. You got to get over that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. That's a fair complaint about Rex Ryan every single year. <laughs> it's almost as if he deserves to be or should be a really great defensive coordinator. Mm. That's it. I think this team's going to the playoffs. I really think this team's going to go to the playoffs. How about his next stop? Really great defensive coordinator under Bill Belichick. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Too much ego for that. (laughs) Uh, All right. That's what happened on Monday night. Hey, uh, Lacid behind the glass, who almost impossibly. How you doing, Sydney? I'm doing all right, Dan. You went to Disneyland again this weekend, by the way. I certainly did. Wow. Isn't that great? (laughs) Sydney is the real deal. uh, Biggest Disney fan in the world. Um, I mean, I'm sure they are bigger out there. I'm sure. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I want that title, actually. They're you don't. <laughs> they got to start giving you some things, some perks for being such an ambassador. I uh, certainly wouldn't say no. Yeah. Let's do some news. Sure. I mixed a cupcake and a brownie. I'm calling it a crownie. <laughs> Maybe Tony Romo should uh, enter next year. Uh, all right, let's <laughs> let's now get into the news, and we'll start with the Cleveland Browns. And you know, I think we have—is uh, it lauded or lauded? Lauded, lauded the lauded. Cleveland Browns uh, for their decision to go with Johnny Manziel um, as the starter for the rest of the regular season. Uh, a decision that made sense given his draft pedigree and their their need to make a decision going into next year, and also that they're not going anywhere this year. But now Manziel has complicated it. A video came out. uh, It was posted uh, online on Monday showing him in a DJ booth in an Austin, Texas bar holding a a bottle of Dom, um, you know, rapping uh, or, you know, or singing along to a future song. He's a big fan of the future uh, Drake collaboration. That seems to be a major driving force in his life right now. Uh, And that pops up on social media. And then, you know, we didn't know exactly when it came from, but apparently this stuff, this was recent this weekend because here comes Coach Mike Pettin on Tuesday saying the team is very disappointed uh, in Manziel's actions over the bye week. And now they are considering Mark benching Johnny Manziel and going back to Josh McCown. It's not official yet, but he seemed to lay it out there, Pettin, that that's what could be coming uh, because they cannot trust Johnny Manziel. Well, I think they will bench him, and I understand that there's probably a pocket of football fans that say, who cares? Like, go let him play football. This is what quarterbacks have been doing off the field for a long time, and that's fine. But in the context of someone that, in the offseason, checked themselves into rehab and talked over and over verbally about changing the course of their life, that it's disparate, it's distressing for people to see this stuff bubbling up, and it's been the third, second or third incident this season. And he said before the bye, I won't do anything to embarrass this team. And Mike Pettin said it best, to whom much is given, much is expected. And it's what? He's out of the building for 72 hours, and this flares up. And the whole reason they went and got Josh McCown, which is not a great quarterback necessarily or an answer to their problems, was that Pettin, after what happened last season when Hoyer and Manziel aren't even talking to each other at the end of the year, wanted a quarterback he could trust on a team that was hanging on by a thread. And as talented and exciting as Manziel might be, and the reason Monday Night Football had any aura of hope to be exciting and interesting at all was because of Manziel. The game is an absolute wash otherwise. They're going to bench him because they can't trust him, and you have to send a message to the rest of your locker room. I don't disagree with it, frankly. Yeah, I think in the context of NFL history, like you mentioned, Joe Namath and Don Meredith would be laughing at this story, that it's such a big story. But it's not the same game. It's an $11 billion business. And this is a player, like you said, who went to rehab, had an issue with a girlfriend on the side of the road, uh, obviously doesn't handle the club life very well in addition to keeping his quarterback responsibilities. So I understand why he's under the microscope and why uh, Pat might might frown on this behavior. Well, it's a complicated issue. It's not about the video. It's about what we don't know. It's about whatever agreement Johnny Manziel had with the team that were the terms of him when he came out of rehab, when he 
got the starting job, whatever the expectation was, because it's considering the issues that he's had, and he was very public about that he doesn't think he took his job serious enough as a rookie, whatever agreement that they had between them, that he what he couldn't couldn't do. And I don't know. I mean, it, rehab is a serious thing. He was in 10 weeks. Who knows what the agreement was there? I thought it was interesting. A reporter said, asked Petten if – if he suggested whether the team is going to suggest Manziel go, goes back to rehab. And he didn't answer that question. So I think the Browns kind of know what they're going to do here. I don't think it's going to be a positive thing for Johnny Manziel, and I think they're just getting their ducks I, in a row. I think it's either an issue of addiction where he literally can't help himself well, or a lack of common sense because the, the, the common sense comes in with – and someone was coming at me on Twitter after I initially responded or uh, made a tweet about uh, the news that came out that, oh, nobody says this about Gronk. And it's not the same thing. They're, t- they're two separate cases. And I think with Manziel, he has to have the common sense to say, all right, this is next six weeks or the most important six weeks of my career, so I need to be a low-key. Even on my bye week, maybe I go out and have some drinks with my buddies, but I can't go in a DJ booth and be rapping to Future on camera holding a bottle of Dom. There's some real breakdown in just, just basic brain power or it's an addiction issue. Well, no matter – actions speak louder than words, and no matter what he told Petten, what, what he did was say, I don't want to change my lifestyle. Right. He doesn't want to change his lifestyle. And and that might be unfair. It might be totally unfair what the Browns want him to do in terms of changing his lifestyle. But newsflash, we've all been told unfair things from our bosses. And when it comes from the very highest bosses, which I think this issue would, would involve in terms of the general manager, coach, and the owner, if they're telling you not to do something, just to, to kind of stay low, then you just have to listen to it, even if it's not fair. And the other thing is that when he was drafted – Petten and the entire organization gave him a long rope to go in that offseason and go do a bunch of stuff where I think all of us looked at it and said, it's not a big deal. He's I a think rookie. they might have even liked it at first because it was like he was all over social sure. media. He was this new playboy, maybe the new Namath, but it didn't work out that way. No, and it's he's just been a consistent headache. And then when he goes and takes what appeared to be a mature step, to correct, and it's from a professional angle, you want to become an NFL quarterback, all they say over and over is you got to make it a 24-7 thing. And the way he described his bye week where he's like, I, you know, it was time for me to go take a little time for myself and unplug. I don't even think you want to hear that from someone that's taking on a huge role for the rest of the year, and now no role. If you don't believe that being an NFL quarterback is a 24-7 job, read Peter King's excellent article with Carson Palmer, which just shows you how engrossing – and how much the mind matters and attitude matters for NFL quarterbacks. Uh, Let's move on now and talk about the Denver Broncos quarterback situation. Brock Osweiler, who uh, played well on Sunday in a win over the Bears, will get another start against the Patriots next week. Um, Peyton Manning is not ready to return from his injury. Uh, He's got the foot issue. He went to see a specialist this week, actually, to a second opinion on uh, the plantar fasciitis. So Osweiler gets another start. Um, There is a lot to this, though, um, Greg, a lot cooking behind the scenes, and you have some saucy theories. I'd love to hear them (laughs) on the podcast. I don't know if I have a theory, but I think the reporting from Pro Football Talk has really – piqued my interest and there's been two things that they sent out there one that Peyton Manning is planning to play next year without the Broncos you know with or without the Broncos and then two that him getting a second opinion means basically he's not happy with whatever the Broncos medical opinion is and all that implies so there's of course there's something going on behind the scenes here it's hard to really guess what it is but it's not hard to guess who's putting that information out that Peyton Manning is going to play next year. It's someone with a financial stake in keeping Peyton Manning's career going. Now, Manning, you know, there was also a source report that Manning's furious that this is out there. That's just sort of how I think the game is all played. I think uh, the, come on. the Broncos are handling a very sensitive, tricky situation in the best way they can, trying to be as sensitive they are to, to Peyton Manning's legacy at the same time when they want to see Brock Osweiler play. It's clear. Michael Silver reported it. He said it was a benching really for performance reasons, and of course you want to get Manning healthy too, but it's about the performance. If if somebody in Manning's camp is leaking this to PFT, it's not coming from Manning himself because that's not even credible. He he doesn't know until after the 2013, 2014, 2015 season if he wants to play until he puts his body through a test. He has no clue if he wants to play again next year. Mm. Yeah, he has the neck injury that 
They every season, even after his MVP season, they had that where they had him, you know, have his neck scan, so you didn't know. So that's all that stuff is still ahead. These things never, they just never end pretty. With that's true. With quarterbacks, especially ones that have been told for two plus decades that you're the greatest person that walked terra firma. With the exception of Peyton Manning's boss, it doesn't end pretty. Well, that's fair. I mean, it's very <laughs> rare that he came into the season probably unhappy with the organization after taking a pay cut and being somewhat, you know, disrespected in the media that way. And now here it comes again. It, He's going to play could, again. You want to watch Peyton Manning next season? Not me. What happens in – 10 days when Manning pronounces himself healthy or leaks that he's healthy and Brock Osweiler is coming off a three-touchdown performance and a win over the Broncos, over the Patriots. <laughs> there, there's a lot of variables. Osweiler's play being really high among them because he might struggle and they might, you know, want to go back to – they might say, okay, let's go back to Manning in, in three weeks. I thought Kubiak's comments after the game were pretty telling, though. They got to run his offense finally. And he said, look, the threat of the boot action made our running game work. And, and Osweiler, ha- Osweiler stayed out of the way. He did about, I like, you know, I try to chart these. Guys. He, I one, two of my columns in the charting is good passes and then like, you know, bad decisions. He almost had nothing of either, which means he was just had like an Alex Smith stay out of the way, manage the game, and I think that's what Kubiak wants. They didn't have him throw deep or test isn't the field. That, they didn't need to. Isn't no. that what they've needed all year with that defense? Yeah. And, just and, the game manager. And that's a great thing for a first start in your career. You're not going to be asking them to do crazy things. Uh, moving on, so Case Keenum, uh, the St. Louis Rams quarterback, uh, suffered what looked like a, a pretty apparent head injury late in the game. He stayed in for two more plays, ended up losing, having a game-deciding uh, fumble. Uh, so a lot of controversy. Why was Case Keenum in the game? What was the breakdown on the sideline with all the different measures they have now to try to protect quarterbacks and uh, other position players uh, from concussion issues? Uh, Jeff Fisher spoke on it uh uh, on Monday during his press conference, uh, referencing Rams head trainer Reggie Scott. Reggie went out there to check on our quarterback, and then Case said he felt that he was okay, and Reggie was told to leave the field. That's what's happened. That's what happened. We have some things to work out, and we're communicating with the league, the Players Association, and everyone else so that we ensure that this doesn't happen again. You, can, you cannot, under these circumstances, place blame on anybody. And then Fisher on Tuesday um, – responded to um, you know some criticism saying uh, from the Ravens saying the Ravens need to look in the mirror uh, I guess saying that no one is innocent and the Ravens certainly aren't your thoughts guys well let's let's listen to Fisher for a second how how he initially explain explained it with the, the ACT is that his responsibility is to is to call down and notify the officiating department if he sees anything well, because he saw our head trainer on the field, he didn't feel it was necessary to make the call. And then, for whatever reason, we went on with the, the, the two plays. Was, it, was this done in his bed on Monday morning at like 6.30 a.m.? For whatever reason. Talks. The for whatever reason is what really <laughs> struck me. For whatever reason, then he stayed on the field. Like, you are the coach. He talked to the trainer. Jeff Fisher had this long press conference where I totally expected him to have a mea culpa and just say, look, this was a failure. You know, we made mistakes. But instead, he tried to complicate it by saying, well, the trainer talked to him. But then, you know, the a- he tried to just confuse the situation by talking about, well, it's partly the ACT's fault and it's partly the confluence of events. And meanwhile, everyone in, in, that's watching on TV knew exactly what happened. I don't know. Yeah, you said it well. I mean, I... <laughs> This feels like one of those tedious stories that could bubble up and keep going on for like five more weeks, <laughs> and I hope that's not the well, case. Well, the, the, the thing that really got me um, was when he basically said, like, don't, don't look at me. Don't look at me. No, we're not. We can, you cannot, under these circumstances, place blame on anybody. <laughs> you can't blame anyone. Nobody's the blame. Of course no, not. It, just, it just keeps happening over and over again. How dare you even consider blaming anyone for this situation? The only counterpoint I'd make is it's one thing last night, you know, Tyrod Taylor, he's grasping at his shoulder, and they want to keep him in because E.J. Manuel's your other option and the game's over. Who is struggling and fighting to keep Case Keenum in the game? I mean, <laughs> you could have thrown Chris Wesley out there. You could have put a nice screen pass together better than Case Keenum. That's true, Wes. I could throw a screen pass. He literally talked to the trainer. I mean, the trainer, he was like, well, he told the trainer he was fine. That, that's the whole reason why this is in play. I don't know. It just drives me crazy. And it, this sort of example is the reason why Jeff Fisher 
has buddies in the media so that no one will kill him at moments like this. This is about as low a moment as he's had in his career, not just because of this play, but because of this loss and the decision to start Keenum. I mean, he should be on the hottest of hot seats. They might not get to seven kill nine. The bloggers will kill him because nothing gets a blogger riled up like a concussion. Uh, finally, Colin, a lot of quarterbacks in the news today. Colin Kaepernick had what was deemed, it always is, it would be bad news if it was deemed as unsuccessful uh, shoulder surgery, but it was a success. It was a, a pretty serious surgery to repair the labrum and his non-throwing so- shoulder. Um, Blaine Gabbert will be the guy the rest of the way for the Niners who seem to be hurtling towards. When you talk about the battle for the number one pick, the Niners are going to put up a good battle, I think, um, or lack thereof. Anyway. Colin Kaepernick out of the picture. Has he thrown his last pass for the 49ers, Wes? Yes. I think I don't think that's even controversial. I think that's what's going on here. And uh, I watched Blaine Gabbert again better than Colin Kaepernick this year. What do you guys think the market would will be for Colin Kaepernick if he's a free agent? Does Chip Kelly get involved? Well, the whole league can get involved if he's a free agent, if they release him. I, I think theoretically they would try to trade him first, see what happens. The market for him is a starter. Yeah. it's a, It would be a good, interesting look at outside of the Eagles' dumb teams. Hmm. Like, you don't have a quarterback, so you're going to go pin your hopes on Colin Kaepernick, and it's going to be six, six months of how Colin Kaepernick's improved A, B, and C, then the team goes 4-12, and 12, I, whatever I team mean, it is. I mean, that's definitely um, – a smart way to look at it. There's a lot of evidence that maybe Kaepernick was a flash in the pan, but at the same time, if you're a team that has no quarterback or is, you know, looking to have like some type of stop stopgap as a starter, I don't think you're necessarily dumb for thinking you can uh, pick up Kaepernick at a team friendly rate and maybe put him with a coaching staff that you think can make some tweaks. Obviously, this Niners staff hasn't, and he regressed under the previous regime. I don't think I think Kaepernick's worth a gamble for a team that's looking for a holdover guy. I don't think an offensive head coach is going to take Colin Kaepernick. I think it'll be a defensive coach like a Rex Ryan. I don't think it will be Rex Ryan because I don't think the Greg Roman Kaepernick relationship ended very well. Mm. But no. Rex Ryan likes running quarterbacks who can give the defense a threat and make the defensive coordinator a little uncomfortable. And I think a lot of defensive coordinators think like that, but offensive coordinators don't think like, oh, I can't wait to get my hands on Colin Kaepernick, who has no touch, very little accuracy, (laughs) and very little field vision. I think you'll have a good market for teams. They're not going to say, hey, you're just the franchise quarterback. He's going to have to compete for a job maybe with a younger player. Who knows? It wouldn't be that crazy. I think he'd be very attractive as a backup. Chan Gailey. Put him in New York. He may have to compete with Robert some... Griffin III for interest. No, I think Chan Gailey's the best. I think that's the best chance. Sorry, Dan. Your next quarterback's going to be Cap. <laughs> you know what, though? Like a, a young guy still relatively young with upside in his shoulder I'd rather pass. have him than Fitz. Yeah, I would. You know, I mean, at least there's like you know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. Give me Colin Kaepernick over RG3. Uh, mm, I don't know about that. I think he's damaged beyond repair, but, you know, who knows? They might both be done. Kaepernick's hard to root for. There's a reason both these guys are going to be on the market. There's so many flaws to their game at this point. Uh, Any team that gets in bed is in a relatively desperate situation. If I had to buy stock in one of those two, I'd buy stock in RG3. You can't find two quarterbacks that have spiraled from heights more quickly than these two. So it's going to take a special coach to want to sign up for this. I I don't like the trend, though, in San Francisco of, these guys who did very well for your organization getting buried on the way out that Jim Harbaugh and Colin Kaepernick have. And I think that speaks to the leadership in San Francisco, that that's not healthy at all. Is there anyone outside of the York family who does like this trend? Right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, nobody is loving what the 49ers have done over the past 12 months. That's a fair point. Um, And that's what's happening. Before we get to the uh, Thanksgiving preview, uh, just want to let everyone know uh, if you're interested uh, over drinks a couple of weekends ago, we we started talking up the idea of a around the NFL podcast soundtrack making oh, that yeah. available on Spotify, and uh, that is what uh, I've done. I put together a, a collection of songs that have been used on the show. Now, how many playlists in 2015 have Corona on it? Hell, I might even have to lead, lead you know lead off the whole mix. I'm going to do it right now. That's the power of Spotify. Now, Corona leading off the whole thing. Uh, so we have 14 songs on here. Corona's not a leadoff hitter. Uh, I don't know. I think you you had a good choice there with the donkeys. Yeah, yeah I'm a, I'm a play, all right. I'm sort of a playlist connoisseur. You need a leadoff batter and you need a cleanup hitter. 
It's sort of like a baseball lineup, and Corona is not a leadoff hitter. Well, we still have to take her with the order of the. But just listen to these artists. Imagine this being like an infomercial. Uh, the Donkeys, oh, Corona, yeah. Oasis, Wang Chung, Alanis Morissette, the Primitive Radio Gods, oh, yeah. Grateful Dead, Rob Bass, DJ Easy Rock, Cool and the Gang, Pharaoh Monch, Monk, Monch, Pharaoh Monch, Enya. <laughs> what other playlist has Pharaoh Monch and Enya back to back? Tom Cochran. <laughs> Usher's in the mix, Bob right? Dylan, Beck, Mark Morrison, and Usher. Turn of the Mac. It's all there. Steal My Sunshine. That didn't sneak in uh, there. Listen, I'll add it right after the show. Thank Bonus you. Bonus track. And you if anybody get, takes a look at this playlist and says, hey, you forgot to add insert uh, song here, I will do it. We we had a big debate about this at, On at Hans's Manor because of the integrity of the issue. Mm. Mark wanted to put St. Lucia on there, mm. but it had never even been referenced on the podcast. Yeah. Now I referenced it. You can put it on. Mm. Oh. It seems a little, <laughs> you know. A little force. Skirting the rules? Yeah, we like to be organic with this. Huh. But maybe one day down the line, St. Lucia, one of Mark's favorite acts, will find its way into the playlist. What if now that we've mentioned St. Lucia, yes. organically, podcast listeners keep asking about this group that Mark loves? You guys and are pushing this St. Lucia thing a, pretty hard. Now it's a thing. I can also very easily just listen to St. Lucia on my own at home. <laughs> so there you <laughs> go. The Around the NFL. The Around the NFL podcast soundtrack only on Spotify. I don't even know how. I'll send a link out on the Around the NFL Twitter handle. That's how we'll do that. Let's now. <laughs> Greg, you excited about that? I'm pumped up. Play that at all your holiday parties uh, coming up. <laughs> Donkeys, great. Donkeys are great. Uh, that song, Lower the Heavens. Great song to run to. Oh, I'll just put that song, song on repeat. Humble brag. Mm-hmm. Greg <laughs> exercises. <laughs> um. I'm trying to think of the name. of Who's that runner? Pete. Prefontaine. Steve yeah. Prefontaine. Steve, yeah, Prefontaine. That's, that's our, you're our Steve Prefontaine. That's me. <laughs> uh, all right, now it is time for the Thanksgiving preview extravaganza. <laughs> Za. Three games to get to. Greg put the slate at a solid B. But that's how I seem to read into it. Yeah, B, B minus. So let's There's go- been some really good years, so I wouldn't say this is, you know, a home run like mm-hmm. some of them. Mm-hmm. Fair. Let's now get into the three games. We'll start with the earliest game. We'll go in the order in which they are played in Week 12, the first three games of Week 12. First up, the Philadelphia Eagles, who uh, uh, are skidding two horrific home losses and back-to-back weeks. Uh, and Mark Sanchez was unable to bring a spark to the offense in place of an injured Sam Bradford. Bradford seems to be making progress. I believe that he's cleared concussion protocol. Is that correct? That is. As of Tuesday. So I suppose there is an outside chance you might see uh, Bradford on Thursday in Detroit. But I would think at this point it's probably more wise to say that Sanchez will make his second start uh, in five days. It will be against the Lions who have uh, showed showed a little pluck lately. They beat, they beat the Raiders on Sunday. Uh, so after that horrific start and that um, midseason house cleaning up top, they seem to be getting their feet under them a little bit. Uh, to me, this is a coin flip game, maybe even a little bit more to the Lions side with the, the home uh, aspect of it. Mark, what do you think? I think it's shocking that at Thanksgiving we could call the Philadelphia Eagles a bigger spiraling train wreck than the Detroit Lions. Mm. And I get that the Eagles are one game out of first and can probably still get to eight and eight or nine and seven just based off of the way things could play out in that division. But I look at a team that doesn't seem to buy into what Chip Kelly is doing. And this is an interesting game just for what's happening with the Eagles in general right now for me. I'm driving to Tucson to visit family for Thanksgiving. And I thought I maybe I'll leave at 1 or 2 in the morning so I can get there in time to watch the early game. Now that I see what the early game oh, is, please. I'm going to wait till later and just skip this one. Wow. <laughs> Listen, that, he's honest. That's just unfair. I have no interest in watching these two teams. How about your boy Amir Abdullah? Starting they to don't make, even use him. No, they started to. I would say he had a very well, good – Last week, finally. He had a very good game against Green Bay, even though he didn't touch the ball a ton. When he did, he made a couple plays, made some people miss. He had the big kick return. Of course, last week he had 12 carries. This Eagles defense, I don't know what happened, but they were just getting dominated. I, they had no pass rush whatsoever against Tampa. They couldn't tackle. Doug Martin's running through them. They had 300 the, – the Bucks had 350 yards in the first half. That's more than the Patriots, you know, had last night against the Bills the whole game. 
that's an incredible performance. And the Lions are playing they're playing well the last couple of weeks. St- Stafford, I think, has probably had his two best games of the season in a row. So that's a positive development. I mean, I think they're the they're definitely the favorite in this game. The Bucks in that game became the second team ever to have a running back run for 200-plus yards and a quarterback throw for five touchdowns. And the we first were... being Derek Anderson and Jamal Lewis in 2007. <laughs> wow. And the narrative from us all along has been that even though the Eagles' offense is a dumpster fire, the defense is really good. That's They're falling apart, too. Even I, – I just hope Dick Stockton's not calling this game because if I hear him say Mark Sanchez again, <laughs> I'm going to go crazy. Sanchez. <laughs> I don't know. I can't even say it the way he says it. Yeah. That's Emphasis annoying. not on the S. That's annoying when people mispronounce names. Even this whole, you know <laughs> – even this whole Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez. <laughs> even this whole Mark Sanchez, like, is going to come in and – I mean, remember last year, they, they used to see receivers wide open down the field. You're not really seeing that anymore. Sanchez was reminding me a little bit of Jason Campbell last week throwing oh, th- no. dump-off passes down 24 points, like, to nowhere. Just like, well, you're uh, not, here's a, here's another three-yard pass. Yeah, you're not getting wide receiver play. To, was in 2013, when they easily dominated the league with 80 plays of 20-plus yards, the, Bron- the 2013 Broncos were far behind on that list as second place. Well, part of that was Deshaun Jackson, but there part of go. it was because the league just wasn't used to Chip Kelly's scheme, so you've got Riley Cooper running free in the secondary. But it, we've been wrong about a lot of things. Derek Carr comes to mind. I think in August I was asking why aren't more teams – Poaching the Chip so Kelly tree. <laughs> we were dead wrong about that. Bill Lazor's off. I mean, I can see why teams aren't doing that great with bubble screens and dump offs. I mean, that's well, what else do these offenses have? We called it a quarterback proof offense, which might have been the case when teams were catching up. Now it's a, their quarterbacks have 13 touchdowns, 13 picks, and it's been inconsistent from wire to wire under center. You know, today, um, let's talk about the serious stuff. You know, today is the four year anniversary of. November 24th. When Indomitian Sue stomped on the guy? On I think there was a stomp in 11, but it might have been 12. But this is the four-year anniversary of Nickelback playing the halftime show on Thanksgiving at Ford Field, leading to a fan revolt. One of my favorite moments in my five years at NFL Media. <laughs> the Lions fans revolted? They they booed. They also, like 11,000 people signed a petition before the I love Lions fans. Uh, trying to get Nickelback not to perform. They did. <laughs> That was great. Kevin Patrick post is, about it. You did. Kevin Patrick and his ilk. Yeah, I don't think Patrick would get behind Nickelback. Big Sean performing this year. The only oh really? That's a yeah. surprise. I was gonna say the only you know downside of that is the NFL then hired Train to play every event that the NFL does from then on. Listen, if you're listening, I don't know. Do you think front office people and, and people at the league office listen to our show? We know. We know a front okay. office Here person who told us. He if you're listening right now, no more Train. They seem like nice guys. Pat Monahan, lead singer. Nice person. Seems like a kindly man. But their music, not good. Do not attach it to the NFL brand in such an aggressive way. That's it. Well, you know you'll just get Aerosmith if they don't you'd go train. So you're right. You know, you just you pick your point. How deep do you want to get into this? I mean, it's an $11 billion company with corporate ties. They're going to go bland. They're not going to go get some kind of uh. controversial <laughs> band. Come on. That's fair. Anyway, back to the game. Lionel Richie. Anything else? All right, let's I would pick love Lionel Richie. Let's uh, – <laughs> <laughs> Lionel Richie, how is he even still active? In yes, the, he is. Tell absolutely. me you wouldn't want to hear Sam he on at halftime. He did do a halftime at an NFL game in the last five years. That's what I'm I, talking I about. He's solid. That guy's I'm solid. sure he was hitting all the high notes. Let's go around the table and uh, pick a winner and the score. Mark. I hate that I'm doing this, and I'm going to pick Philadelphia. Three to two. <laughs> Got West with that one. Take Lions 20 to 17. Little known fact about Lionel Richie. Yes. He and Kenny Rogers have the same voice. Country music star Kenny Rogers and Lionel Richie sound ridiculously alike. Well, similar. All right. Uh, I will say uh, 24 to 14. The Lions will Mm. send the Eagles closer to extinction. And uh, I will say that the. The statue, the bust of Lionel Richie's face in the hello video <laughs> remains one of the scariest things of all time. <laughs> uh, 31-28 Lions. They're going to punish uh, West for missing this game by at least having a high score. Ooh, I like that. Fun I back and watch it on They'll game. both have four wins after can this Watch game. it on Game Pass without the commercials or Nickelback. <laughs> Next game up, the Panthers. Here we go. The 10-0 and Panthers uh, slaying everyone in their way. 
Now they head to Big D to face the Cowboys, who, of course, got back in the win column with Tony Romo on Sunday. A lot of talk, too much talk, uh, even as someone who, who believes the Cowboys are going to be frisky and at the very least play spoiler down the stretch. Too much talk about the Cowboys being an NFC East favorite or the team that's being picked. I saw it happen on NFL Network airwaves uh, on Monday afternoon. Uh, but the reason people are doing that is because they are a far better team with Tony Romo involved. The Panthers, Wes, the Panthers are eventually going to lose. Could it happen on the road in a different type of environment with Romo and Des Bryant and the Cowboys? Any given Thursday, Dan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the Panthers are a much, much better team than the Cowboys. They really have no weaknesses. And you can stick Josh Norman, who said, I've been circling this date on my calendar all year on Ooh. Des Bryant. And right now, Josh Norman's the better player than Des Bryant. Mm. Yeah, Des hasn't been quite himself since coming off the injury, including last week. Nine targets, only four catches. They they seem to not be on the same page a couple times. We've seen this a lot in Des Bryant's career where Tony Romo goes over to Bryant and kind of talking about why did you go this way. And it, they haven't really had time. But I don't know. This Cowboys team looked like a different team last week. I mean, they played defense really well uh, against Miami. They uh, ran the ball very well. I think. I think. Well, when Ryan tough. Tannehill throws it right at Rolando McClain from ten yards away from the end zone, yeah, I think that's. <laughs> you make I, your own breaks. I want to see Dallas's line versus Carolina's pass rush. They had five sacks last week. You get Charles Johnson back in the mix, and I agree with Wes. I don't. I listen. I probably was preaching the Tony Romo comeback trail thing, where you're going to rip off a bunch of wins. Well, you wrote about it. I wrote about it, but I mean, in every one of those posts, though, this is the game that looks like it could absolutely pull the plug on that scenario very quickly. Mm. The Panthers and the Cardinals look like the two best teams in the league to me right now, as beat up as the Patriots are. I just – the Panthers are so solid everywhere. And they get up for games. There's not a game where they've had a letdown where they just squeaked by and they looked completely lifeless. That's fair. I, I think it will be a big test because I, I think that offensive line for the Cowboys didn't really – pass protect that well last week is kind of getting their mojo going the last few weeks, certainly with McFadden, and they just wear you down. And these are two teams that want to play a similar style, which is a run-based offense where you hold the ball, and that leads to close games. And I and I just think this is going to be an interesting game that goes down to the last couple minutes, something crazy happens. I, I do think the Cowboys are a playoff team when Tony Romo's in the lineup. So I don't worry that they're 3-7. and seven. To me, they're back to being a 10-6 and six type of team right now. And so that's why on a short week, uh, you're on the road. They could. I think the Panthers could absolutely. Did you lose. say they passed protective well? They, I said they didn't last week. Oh, okay. Week. Say, they, they, they've, been getting it going, they've been getting it going in the run game. Olivier Vernon put a clown suit on the best left tackle in football. Let's, uh, let's make the picks of this game. Uh, Mark, I'll start this time. I believe the Cowboys – will be the team to knock off the Panthers. Uh, the Panthers fall to 10-1, still in great shape in the NFC. But, yes, I think uh, all these uh, – and I, I think it will be a very close game. I agree. I think it will go down to the last possession, in fact. But the Cowboys will win 27-24 on a late field goal. Mark. Uh, agree, close game. I think it's going to be the best game of the day and probably maybe the only good game of the day. Whoa. It's going to be 31-28 to 28 in overtime, Carolina. Mm. Panthers reached their season average of 30 points per game. I go Panthers 34, Cowboys 17. I think I'm with I'm with uh, Dan. I think the Cowboys get it done. Tony Romo brought it up. We're good at beating undefeated teams. They beat the 13 and 0 Saints. I'm trying to think of the other team. They beat a 9 and 0 team at one point. I think they uh, they knocked Carolina off. Usually I'm 2017. Usually I'm uncomfortable with Greg picking. In fact, I would reference the burlap sack, but since he agrees with me, I'm okay <laughs> mm, with it. It changes everything. That yes. impugns your integrity. Yes, well, that's not a problem. Moving on to the final game, the primetime game on NBC with Alan Chris, the Chicago Bears at the Green Bay Packers, and you think, well, this is kind of a weird game to put as the primetime game. It seems like a, a possible Packers blowout, but it goes beyond the game because this is the big payday for NBC because Brett Favre is at long last coming back to Lambeau Field to have his number retired and have the whole ceremony and all that jazz. That will be um, mm. it, your your blessed Bob Costas, Mark, might it, might even lose his, his slot to pontificate upon a soapbox at halftime because they'll probably just stick with coverage on the field. 
Not worried about that. There's 17 other sports that he covers during the year where he does a professional he'll, job. He'll probably have a 15-minute uh, essay afterwards where he gets teary about the importance of Brett Favre in, in football's we, life. We talk about this off the podcast all the time. I don't know how much we have on the podcast, but uh, Bob Costas, who's an accomplished broadcaster, obviously, but there is no greater fan of Bob Costas than well, an on. apologist than hold Mark on. Sessler. It is. <laughs> hold that Number one, that is not completely accurate. I – think that we have a bit the four of us on text messages where <laughs> every time any, confused. every time anyone sees Costas he gets shredded on text and then I'll come back and defend him and it's just a bit but you I do liked love him Costas. in his early career when in the 80s when he was like 25 doing NFL live love the guy because that right. was my all my Browns games when they were a good team came with NFL live before the Browns game and I'd tape him on VCR so I watched those things <clears throat> over and over emotional. excuse me no <laughs> Not Speaking of right emotional, no, I have a cough, but you got uh, emotional when uh, old Bobby's eye got all wonked out at the Olympics. No, I did not. My favorite part about this bit <laughs> is it's been See, this is when it becomes absurd. It's that been going on for four years. Wait, it has. That is Who utter nonsense. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, what was that? That's something that I've clipped here. Listen to it again. Wait, well, that is utter nonsense. <laughs> Thank you. Appropriate. <laughs> Just backing you up there. Anyway, we well, should get back to the game. Costas, Sessler. A pairing for the ages. That's all. I don't think so. I I don't Never like the way this, this has been. I've, yeah. I've always felt left out on the text chain because <laughs> have, having that strong of an opinion on Bob Costas just kind of gives makes me scratch my head. Yeah, I feel the same way. Trust me. So the Bears and Packers. Brett <laughs> no, I mean, Favre, even you. I know. You're part Wes, of the problem. Wes, I'm know. playing along. All right. With the conversation here. My bad. The Bears and Packers are playing a football game. Yes, Favre will be the big storyline. Uh, oh, yeah, by the way, um, remember that that bit you guys did on the website, He Said, He Said? Yes. I forgot to mention, I'm going to have you guys both watch his speech and then do sort of a He Said, He Said. <laughs> Did he do a good job? So Thanksgiving night, say goodbye to your families, just get on, and then just give some good far of analysis. This, this gentle mocking of uh, Mark and I's old column uh, really gave birth to the ATL Debate That's Club, exactly right. which in turn uh, birthed the Around the NFL podcast, Greg. So hmm. Greg not into origin stories, but this no, show no. wouldn't even be <laughs> to happening Greg, the world started he when he started at NFL.com. <laughs> well, that's true. Anyway, <laughs> this game, the uh, Packers, to me, this is going to be a blowout, a grisly blowout, wow. because uh, the Packers got, got their swagger back, as I said, uh, uh, on Sunday in a nice win on the road in Minnesota, and I think – you add in all the good cheer around the stadium and the good vibes with the Brett Favre thing and, and Aaron Rodgers looking great on Sunday. I think this is going to be a blowout. I'm going to I'm going to throw it out right now. The score is going to be 38 to 14, an easy win for the Packers who are back in the driver's seat. Yeah, I think you're right about the Favre factor, and then the fact that since Aaron Rodgers got to Green Bay and Jay Cutler got to Chicago, this has been the most one-sided rivalry in the NFL. The the Packers win every time. Well, it was a good week one game, and that gave, if you're a Bears fan, some hope the Bears. that this Fox nailed it. This Fox Gaze formula will at least be competitive because they very easily could have won that game in week one, and they're playing pretty well. They're playing well enough that they beat some bad teams, that they maybe lose in the final seconds to to a good Broncos team. They're a competitive team, and the Packers. When I watched them last week, it didn't. I didn't think, okay, their offense is suddenly solved. I didn't think that they're they're all the way back. I got to see it a little more. I mean, well, they were outgained by progress, the Vikings. Though. Big, yeah, big progress, progress. They did make progress. They can run the ball again if Eddie Lacy shows up the way he did last time. I agree with you on the Bears. I think they're about an eight and eight type team. At best, this isn't going to be where they're going to win their game though. And the problem I have is if you don't have Alshon Jeffrey healthy, I don't know what his status will be. But last week when he's when Cutler is throwing the ball to a bunch of guys that most football fans have never heard of. Right, Kevin White's not showed up all year. You're just too limited. I think Cutler's having his one of his best seasons in a long time, but you just can't do it against Green Bay and get into a shootout with a team that's going to put up 35 points when you have no weapons. I mean, the the no names go on to the defense. I mean, last week, what? Who are these guys making plays for the Broncos? Adrian Amos, rookie safety. Chris Prasinski. Bruce Gaston. I mean, these, these aren't just like from some of these players. These, these yeah. just Mitch Unrain. These aren't just I think like Bruce Gaston is my gym teacher. <laughs> these aren't just guy <laughs> Christian Jones, who at this point we know about because he's been pretty solid all year, but not a household name. These aren't just okay. They're going to come and make a play. These are their main defensive guys. They are doing a really good job. So I guess 
coaching. I don't discount them being competitive. All right, I like that. Cutler's playing very consistent. Let's go around the horn. I already said 38-14 Packers. Mark. Uh, Green Bay will win, but I won't be an epic wipeout in my book. I go 34-24 over Chicago. Okay, Wes. Packers 45, Bears 13. Packers Mm. healthy, Greg. 28-20 Packers. Nice. So we got the Packers across the board. There you go. So one thing, though, I get that they wanted Favre on the ceremony, and so Green Bay is a lock to be in the night yeah. game. Okay, that's nice. But the league completely slaps down the AFC, and some of us are old AFC people. I, I don't understand how you came to the decision with six NFC teams, and then you put the Bears, who we all kind of thought would stink up the house. But in this game, there was a chance to put a lot of better teams here. If, I don't get the process. If I'm John Fox, that's part of my, like, hype speech to my team is that you were basically a lamb being led to slaughter for the big Packers gala on Thanksgiving night with Brett Favre. So ruin the party. Well, well, I think Favre has the most touchdowns against the Bears, one of the top uh, you know, quarterbacks having touchdowns against a team, and he always buried the Bears. I mean, I think that's part of it. He buried a lot of NFC North teams. Thanksgiving. That was the number one one. Originates in the 17th century, and the, <laughs> a- a- the AFL didn't come along until the 1960s. Well, that's fine, but <laughs> I'm not listening to that. You're right, though. I agree. It's it's conference bias. I believe the same thing happened a year ago. Good job by the listeners, by the Dude. way. And immediately um, we were flooded with replies. I wish I could pull up who was the number one, but we were flooded with replies on Cliff Clavin uh, from Cheers. Uh, that was the money drop, the mysterious money drop from Sunday's show. So underestimated, uh, I guess, Greg Rosenthal. And also the Cheers fandom of the uh, civilized world. Don't, don't underestimate that. All right. Before we go, let's uh, uh, take another stroll uh, through the iTunes comment section on uh, in the old iTunes library. You know, uh, you this is how you can get the Around the NFL podcast. You can get it on iTunes. You can get it on NFL.com. You can get it on Stitcher. We won an award. Where is that award, by the way? Nobody knows. Where is the Ark of the Covenant? (laughs) Unbelievable. (laughs) Two of the world's greatest mysteries. So what are the, uh, you know, did we miss anything, uh, Sydney? You can watch it on your app, your phone Stitcher? Said Stitcher. Did you say Sunday? You can watch us on YouTube? No, I didn't. There you go. You can tell your friends about it because we don't have a marketing budget, so you can just, you know, put it out there. Every week we're also on NFL Now. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're all over the place. Do we want to go with a little breaking news? Yeah, let's hear it. It is confirmed by the Cleveland Browns that Josh McCown will start. Not a surprise to anyone in the room. Nightmare. Breaking news. Johnny Manziel will be the number three quarterback. Austin Davis will back up Josh McCown. Which, Greg had a sandwich bet that Austin Davis would start more games than Johnny Manziel. I'm still in trouble with that. Well, you may not be. I could see Manziel being put straight to season over. Manziel's done. He's why would they go? Well, yeah, why would they, you need a McCown injury is oh, what you you're saying. Yeah, but he Austin is an injury-prone guy. Patton loves Austin. Yeah, you, I don't want to root for Josh uh, to be hurt. We're on a first-name basis. <laughs> <It's nice laughs> All right. So one of the good things about the iTunes um, you know, setup is they allow users to leave comments, and we always encourage our wonderful listeners both here in the United States of America and also around the rest of the world to uh, leave comments and ratings, whether good or bad. Just be honest, and we'll take it, and we'll deal with it. So uh, this segment's called uh, iTunes Comment Reading. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Not one of your best uh, efforts. Yeah, sorry. Let's start with... Bear with me. The best. Five stars. From Junk Nation. Great football talk that is fun and entertaining. This is the first NFL podcast it's subscribed to and look forward to. to. They also have transitioned well to the YouTube era of NFL podcasts. They make a point to explain what's going on. Very nice. Nice start. Here's another one. LR is solid. Five stars. I believe that's a reference to Lindsay Rhodes. That's it. LR is solid. She breaks some of the she breaks up some of the knuckleheadedness just so. Probably in too much demand to keep her overly involved. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks to Lindsay, too. One of our best uh, yeah. shows. I'll do another nice one. It's the holiday season. This is my favorite pod. Well, that's nice. From Mark Baker in Prague. 
Nice. This is consistently my favorite podcast of the week. I listen to 20 to 30 each week. That's a lot of podcasts. Even though I live in Europe and don't get a chance to see many NFL games, I enjoy the banter. Everyone plays their role perfectly, and the balance is perched painfully on the line between their roles and how they really are like great theater should be. Wow. Wow. Rock, great city. Dan yeah, beautiful city. is the diva host, quick to pick up on any slight, <laughs> real or imagined. Greg is the beleaguered boss, boss, balanced somewhere between exasperated and trying to motivate the team. <laughs> Chris is the angry old man. And Mark, a Browns fan like me, always seems like he just rolled out of bed and has better things to do than be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Sounds like a crazy combination, but the chemistry is perfect. I can imagine they are really great friends in real life. Keep on making podcasts. You know what? That's true, too. We're all friends. That that was a – he had it nailed. Mm-hmm. We've got to have a, a devastating negative one coming right. up. Wait, well, this maybe is, Vikings subreddit will weigh in. This is the most recent one just at the top, and uh, not to you know pick out anybody in particular. Avoid one star. Wesling makes this pod unbearable. <laughs> if I – if I get really loud when someone makes a good point, does that make me right? No, Chris. No, it does not. <laughs> Thank you for weighing in. Vikings Reddit. <laughs> oh, that's got to be it. All right. Zigzag 80 on October 19th mm. had this to say. You guys ready? It's not always fun. We got to, we gotta, you know, put some pot. You know, Bring it on. We got to put the positives on. Bury this one. All right. This podcast, this is from Zigzag 80. This podcast features Greg Rosenthal. The block of wood, in parentheses. Dan Hansis, <laughs> the metrosexual, possibly living a double life. Mark Sessler and Chris Wessling, parentheses, the haters. And Kevin Patra, who? <laughs> the only reason I listen to this podcast is Dan Hansis, who, while amusing, seems to have no actual insight into football. <laughs> there. Here's a guy who would call any team with Fitzpatrick as its QB the worst in the league, but because Fitz is on the Jets, they're going to the Super Bowl. Well, that's not true, but it's mostly accurate. <laughs> it was a month ago. That's <laughs> yeah. true then. <laughs> uh, if I stopped listening to these jokers, I'd probably be number one in the nation on FanDuel and richer than Oprah. Spells Oprah wrong. It'd help if you had some intelligence, you fool. <laughs> oh, this is good. There's even a girl on the podcast now. Sorry <laughs> that there's a woman. Shocking that this caveman would call you metrosexual. Uh, this podcast, a generous two out of five stars. Hey, if they keep listening, I'll take after it. all that. They will yeah, do that's it true. I'll do. We'll go out on top of the good one. This one uh, from uh, a C Vice, my favorite podcast for more than two years. That's nice. Better than comedy, bang bang. Don't. Uh, that's a nice compliment. Uh, a perfect mix of football analysis and humor. It is the result of the unique personalities of the four. And as soon as the shadowy league figures try to change it, they will destroy it. And I agree with that. That's it. By the way, all you creeps writing the negative reviews, who raised you to complain about free stuff? That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a you know it's a free country, and they could share their opinions if they think the show is not good. But we'll we- give them their money back. Yeah. I only remember. It's a free country. You're free to be an idiot. Yeah, you can say whatever you want. On balance, the the ratings have been uh, tremendous. We have a four and a half out of five star rating. That's great. Uh, So uh, thank you to everyone who uh, leaves comments again, both good and bad. We like that you're invested in the show or interested or even just a troll. You know, that's fine as long as you listen. There you go. That's it for the podcast today. Any final thoughts, Mark? Greg Rosenthal, block of wood. <laughs> we'll be back uh, tomorrow. Back to back shows. Love it. Uh, on Wednesday, uh, uh, will we be publishing on Wednesday, Greg? Or are we going to no, we'll record it. it and then sit on it? No, we'll put it out. I like that. Put it out. So we got two shows coming up before the Thanksgiving holiday uh, here in America. Uh, so make sure you check us out tomorrow. Uh, that's it for now. This is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman. The block of wood. No, he's the boss. <laughs> and I see it behind the glass. Till Wednesday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 